0: Coca-Cola has mm-hmm. brand recognition. Tesla has brand recognition. All of these organizations are recognized because they've established their brand over time. So what I'm doing is, in my niche, for small and mid-sized businesses, for IT support, and especially cybersecurity, because we've been doing cybersecurity now for a decade. That's like the white elephant in the room, is a lot of these IT guys don't really mm-hmm. know how to deliver cybersecurity services. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a whole new... Uh, competency that requires lots of education that requires lots of experience and we've kept up with that over the years i'm finding mm-hmm. all these it companies that are like oh my god what do i do i know i'm not going to survive another oh, couple of years i get it because okay it's no way for me to keep up with the pace of this stuff that's where the industry yeah. is going is i need to be protected from ransomware the money out of my account needs yeah. needs to stay in my accounts so it's not stolen i can't have hackers coming into my system yeah so we buy these companies, bring them into a, a larger vision.
1: Super. Welcome to super entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us. Rick Jordan. Rick is a powerful CEO. His ascent to success was forged by his mistakes that taught him hard-learned life lessons, using them as stepping stones to acquire essential skills, host of All In with Rick Jordan, badass keynote speaker, and an influential presence welcome to our show rick
0: what's shaking it's good to be here my man oh it's great i
1: love the bio <laughs> Thanks. it's quite powerful
0: <laughs> i've got a good team yeah. of writers man it's it's cool because when they showed it to me the bio it was like i guess yeah. that every bit of it's true
1: <laughs> so. i guess the attention too it's yep. intriguing
0: yeah right so on it's a
1: one it's a hook. one thing i yeah. One thing I saw that you built your own computer at age 10. That's correct.
0: Man, that is so correct. I, it's funny because I just, in our Slack channel at my company, Reach Out Technology, yeah. I just sent in yeah. the random channel today, an ad from Radio Shack back in 1989, which I would have been 10 in 1989. I'm like, I learned how to do things on this exact computer. Uh, I didn't see any wow. responses, but yeah, that was it. I <laughs> A family friend that came over was like, here, I'm going to show you how to put this together. Like, all right.
1: How do you find that experience that helps you shape your future, your path from that point on?
0: Man, it's interesting because going through all that, and then I was also the first Geek Squad agent in Chicago after Best Buy acquired Geek Squad. So there's a lot of firsts that existed uh-huh. in my life. And because of uh-huh. that, a lot of family members would always ask, hey, Rick knows computers. He can help us. You know? <laughs> That's cool. I can. But the tech side, even though I've done all these crazy technical things like Merrill Lynch, I, I deployed 15,000 servers and 120,000 computers in 1999 when I was just 20 years old. Uh, it was Tech was always just something I was good at, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much the tech. It was just I was good at problem solving and strategy. The mm-hmm. tech is exciting, but at the same time, the tech is just a means to an end. So when that started way back when, it's like, cool, I learned this. But as soon as I learned that, you know, how to build a computer, what's next? That's great. I did that. Cool. I don't feel like doing that every single minute of every day that I have in my life. What's more meaningful than this? What can this actually do for me?
1: Very good. Speaking of Radio Shack, you had a $1 cell phone upselling technique. That earned you a lot of commission. Can you talk about that and how did that translate into high commissions?
0: Yeah, you've done your research about me, man. Yeah. That's the cool part because that this is what I'm talking about. I, I got involved in sales in Radio Shack when I was yeah. young. At the time, I ended up becoming the youngest store manager at Radio Shack that had existed in the history of the company. They promoted me when I was just 18 to manage my own store. Yeah, so I had employees. I learned how nice. to read P&Ls, profit and loss statements, when wow. I was just 18. Because that's what I was bonused off of when I was a manager of a Radio Shack was the profitability of the store, you know. So eighteen, uh-huh. I, I remember going through two hours and just asking somebody else, "Can you walk through this with me? What's what's this category? What's cost of goods sold? What does that exactly mean? What's what are these expenses? What's SGNA? What does that mean?" And so they'd step through with me, and I learned all these things. But prior to that, dude, sales is. It's the great equalizer when it comes to filling your pockets with cash. And I, I learned my technique with that $1. I think it was a penny cell phone, actually. It might have been a dollar. I don't okay. know, but it doesn't matter oh. because everybody at Radio Shack, when I was an assistant manager, would walk up to the counter and whether they had batteries or they were buying a resistor or something because there were components that were sold at Radio Shack, whatever it is, it could have been like a $5 item. And they'd walk up and I'd be like, hey, do you want a cell phone to go with that for a dollar? Be like what (laughs) what do you mean so it it would catch them off guard and this was like before i even learned about marketing right because we've all heard of the quote-unquote irresistible offer that was Mm -hmm. the irresistible offer you you want a cell phone for a dollar to go with your batteries and it it didn't matter what they were buying that was the funny thing but dude that this even goes back to mcdonald's when i worked there because it's it's the concept of the upsell Oh, so somebody yeah. bought just a, a burger or somebody bought just a, a Coke. It'd be like, Hey, do you want fries with that? You know, it, it was always yeah. some kind of add on some kind of mm-hmm. order bump as we would call it in the digital funnel days yeah. today. Right? Yeah. I would order ask bump. after this and that that's mm-hmm. one of the most important lessons in sales. But this, when I was just 17 years old, cause I was an, ass- I was an assistant manager at 17 during the Christmas season, I sold 300 cell phones during the, the November and December months. I was the top salesperson in the country for cell phones. And I think it was Cellular One was the company we were selling back then. This was before Sprint, all of that, when there was just Ameritech and Cell One, just the big two that existed in the country. And 300 cell phones, I would get a $100 stiff or commission for every single phone that I sold. So do the math. Amazing. That's $30,000. So here's a 17-year-old that pocketed 30 grand in just about 45 days. It's like life-changing money, or really mindset-changing money, that early yeah. in life, just from doing one simple thing. That shifted your
1: mindset going forward. With that such an impact on your pockets, it gave you this fearless attitude towards entrepreneurship, right? What What was the mindset behind
0: that gain? Oh, that was totally it. Let's shoot. Anything's attainable. And even at yeah. 17, it's, I remember buying a, this was when Pontiac was still around, right? A, a Pontiac Grand Am GT. I don't know if you remember those, but they were some uh, badass cars, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had the V6 in them. They had the, the Ram scoop up front to suck in extra air. I've always been a car mm-hmm. guy since I was that young too. Yeah. But at 17, yeah. making 30K a month, I could afford a new car, clearly, right? So I'm like, I want that. Yeah. But it was so funny and humorous because at 17 years old, you still can't get a loan yourself. (laughs) or Actually, to to walk in there and even sign the contract to acquire a vehicle, sign the title, whatever Mm. it is. So at 17, my mom walked in with me and co-signed on the loan just because I wasn't even old enough to buy this thing. I had the cash that was there, but you know what, cash is still king, right? And I learned Mm. even early on that it's like, as long, I've never looked at cash as like hoarding and saving it to spend that way. I learned even way back when that it's, wait a second, if I'm making a certain amount, that means I can have expenses of a certain amount. And it's not necessarily cash that covers those expenses. It's cash flow. So how do I continue to make that income every single month so that I can have the lifestyle that I want and continue to build my life the way that I desire?
1: So what steps did you take to, to make
0: that happen? Dude, it was... I started consuming all kinds of content even early on. At that point it was books, Mm. it was magazines. I remember when I would fly somewhere, I used to do this. This was before, it was right around the time when the internet was really launching, right? In like 1997, 1998. So there wasn't Mm -hmm. digital publications at that time. But if I would go Mm -hmm. on a plane, whether it was personal or business, I would always buy an entrepreneur magazine because there wasn't a Wi-Fi on the planes either. I wouldn't bring no. necessarily a book or a novel with me, but I would always get the latest content that existed at that point in time for business. Just to give hmm. me these ideas. It's always been my mind, and I, this is nothing against people who like dive into huge novels, right? I, I still yeah. listen to audiobooks when I work out today, but I don't pick up a book. Like a full nonfiction hmm. book, if it's Grant Cardone's 10X, or David Meltzer's Connected to Goodness, I'll listen to them and I'll go through the whole book. But yeah. my brain has always worked in like bite-sized chunks. And I think this could be true of every entrepreneur because I don't think, I think it's counterintuitive to read an entire book and then apply your knowledge. I think it's counterintuitive to go to a seminar or a conference and wait through the whole thing and then go back and re-digest it and read your notes and learn everything before you take action. I really believe that you absolutely need to Go in these bite-sized chunks, learn what you learn, and then apply it immediately. Then move on to the next topic. So the, would you like fries
1: with that concept or technique and how you had the cell phone for a dollar technique? How can an entrepreneur today use that similar technique into their own business? And how would they come up with a concept like that with knowing their own business? Obviously, what steps could they take? To come up with a a unique idea that could get the attention that they need.
0: There's a, well, first you have to put yourself in an environment where you can actually come up with these things. Because I don't think that there's, at least right now, I don't think that there's like super original ideas that exist. Meaning like somebody comes up with something brand spanking new because there's not a billion Elon Musks that exist in the world. A lot Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurial ideas are derivations or things that can be concluded or drawn out of somebody else's thing yeah because even what i'm doing right now with reach out with which is my company it's uh, we're Mm -hmm. we're going public i'm acquiring a bunch of small it companies and making it one big nationwide company this i'm the first in the industry to do this to make a brand recognized cybersecurity and it provider for small businesses however i'm not the first in the world to have this business plan Now, this is a business plan that's been done over and over again for the last 100 years. It's called a roll-up. It's not a Uh new idea. I'm just the first to apply it to what my niche is, to what my specialty is. So when you ask the question like the fries with that, I coach this out all the time, man, is that whether you're Uh a service provider or you have a product or whatever it is, for your audience, for your customers, you need to come up with something new every single quarter, And that could be like you go to a a, a show or something like that or a conference and you see a vendor that's there and they're offering something. Even if it's like financial services, maybe you could do a joint venture with a credit repair person to where it's, okay, I can't get this person their business funding because their credit score is 620 or 550. Okay, so that's a service that I could add on this quarter is I could offer them Here's a credit repair service. Even if it's a joint venture and it's just an affiliate program, you're still making money off of that. But then now you keep that customer in house, you make them sticky because you're still adding a service of value to them. That's your, would you like fries with that? And then in three months I can get you the funding you were looking for. If it's in, if it's in technology, there's all kinds of vendors. If it's AI, if it's something like some kind of new protection or whatever, some kind of new documentation system, there's always <laughs> vendors that are coming out with these things. And every quarter you can say, oh, I can add that to my offerings. I can add this and that can become my new fries with that. And then once a year, at least in the service industry, what you should be doing, and I do this every October right now, I review this every October. It's like whatever we're offering right now is going to become like the base model. So our premium every year becomes the base model, our standard. And then every year going forward, we can always ask, you know what, would you like fries with that? because there's a new offering that we have. You see this in the cell phone industry too, man. They're masters at this, right? Because it used to be, oh, you get 30 gig of premium data. So you get unlimited, but after 30 gig, like with Verizon, you're gonna start to get slowed down or deprioritized. So at times you may Mm. see your speed slow down, but you get 30 gig of super fast data. And then that's this year. But then next year, that 30 gig becomes the base plan, and guess what they do? It's, oh, now our premium plan, you get 50 gig of premium data, and they raise the price ever so slightly, whether it's two bucks a month or $5 a month, whatever it is, that becomes their upsell. But when they do that across the board on a $40 plan, that's increasing by what, like 20%, something like that, to at least 10% in a revenue bump that they're looking at every single year across their entire customer base. And then they're bringing on new customers at that higher price points. That's the would you like fries with that. So every year, at Mm. least in the service industry, or even if it's a product industry, you could make whatever your flagship is this year, your base, your minimum, your foundation, your core offering the following year. And then you add a new offering that's more expensive that, of course, delivers more value on top of that. Mm -hmm. So that's
1: excellent. Can you elaborate on your concept?
0: Yeah, so everybody can search. If you've got, if you're a business and you've got a computer that's broken in the office, Yeah, everybody knows you can go to Google and say, find me an IT guy, right? They're still called IT guys, right? It's still a a male dominated industry. That's why I call it that. I I like to include a lot more women in what we're doing now because I think they're way more organized than dudes are (laughs) in in this. uh, (laughs) So that's why I intentionally place women in certain roles within my company. And they go to Google, these offices go to Google because something's busted. But when you do that, it's just like the old phone book days, right? You've got Mm -hmm. results upon results on Google of who you could possibly call. And you have no idea if they're good or not. And the whole reason behind that is because nobody knows who they are. And that's what branding is supposed to do. Not marketing, but branding is supposed to give recognition so that people understand that household name. Everybody knows, as I said, Verizon. Verizon has brand recognition. Coca-Cola has Mm -hmm. brand recognition. Tesla has brand recognition. All of these organizations are recognized because they've established their brand over time. So what I'm doing is in my niche for small and mid-sized businesses for it support and especially cybersecurity, because we've been doing cybersecurity now for a decade. That's like the white elephant in the room is a lot of these it guys don't really Mm -hmm. know how to deliver cybersecurity services. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a whole new uh, competency that requires lots of education, that requires lots of experience, and we've kept up with that over the years. I'm finding mm-hmm. all these IT companies that are like, oh my God, what do I do? I know I'm not gonna survive another oh, couple of years. I get it. Because okay. it's no way for me to keep up with the pace of this stuff. That's where the industry yeah. is going, is I need to be protected from ransomware. The money out of my account needs <laughs> needs to stay in my account, so it's not stolen. I can't have hackers coming into my system. Yeah, So we buy these companies, bring them into a, a larger vision and at the same time we're planting our flag across the united states and even as of last week we now cover all four time zones in the u.s so our strategy Amazing. is working we have offices in all four time zones now which was a huge milestone for us and we're going to accelerate this over the next 18 months man to where we're just popping up all over the place which gives brand recognition because the company name is reach out how much better can hmm. you get than that That's uh, a, it's a reach out phenomenal brand And that's, so now when you go to Google and be like, hey, I just got hacked. Who do I call? You'll see Reach Out and be like, oh yeah, I heard about these guys. Or you know what? I saw Rick Jordan on TV. That's another thing too that's important with branding is my personal brand. brand. What we're doing right now Mm. leads all that. A reason Mm -hmm. why we're going to be so successful as a public company is because I do media appearances. Because Mm. everyone will know who I am because sales is nothing more than a transference of trust. I learned that all the way back in the days of Radio Shack, when Mm -hmm. when I made the 30K in commission in just that that small period of time. Sales is a transference of trust. And in order for people to trust you, they have to know you. Yeah,
1: definitely. People want to do business with people. They want to connect with people. They want to see a face. They want to hear a voice. Even if they never did business and they see you, they hear you, they will want to check out the business. And... If it's needed, they would support that business because they heard you somewhere. Because that's opening up that veil. You're actually coming out in the public and and befriending people virtually. Yep. Right on. Yeah. That's an awesome idea. It's is similar to the technique. The, would you like fries with it?
0: You got it. Yeah. The whole concept. It, that's, McDonald's it. came up love with it. This. dude. I had a yeah. There's a quote that there's a quote that I've been saying a lot the past year. As I've said, it's like, my, yeah. my idea is not a new idea. Yeah, it's just yeah. the first to do it in my industry, in my, in my niche. And the quote is, if you want a new idea, read an old book. Because yeah, I even did an episode on my show before called You're Not That Special. It was just like, so yeah. your idea is probably not something that's brand new or completely novel. There's probably somebody mm-hmm. before that's done it, which means mm-hmm. that you know that it can be done, which is a huge anchor point for you. And then you can go out and find out where that person succeeded and more importantly failed, like how you read my bio through the hard lessons learned. And then which that means that if it took that person 10 years to accomplish that idea, it can probably take you only one or maybe even less because somebody's Mm -hmm. already forged the path before you that you can just apply that and transfer it over to what you're doing. If you want a new idea, read an old book.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. So the cybersecurity landscape in general is obviously evolving and there's probably going to be a lot more with artificial intelligence, I feel. What should entrepreneurs be looking out for or being careful about
0: yeah, in their business? There's a, there's a lot with that, man. If we're talking strictly cybersecurity, it, it blows my yeah. mind because doing the acquisitions that I do, we use some debt to acquire these, which means we get business funding. It still kills me because there's all these smaller lenders that exist out there, not banks, not big banks, Mm -hmm. but the smaller lenders that'll put together. It's a little more expensive money, but it's meant to be paid off quickly. There's even acquisition funding and with the nature of interest rates these days, it's Mm -hmm. a little higher, but the way they do these things, it's revenue based funding, which is a good model because it allows the revenue of the acquisition to actually pay for itself. It's a little secret. So you Mm -hmm. use the profits of the company you're buying to actually pay Mm -hmm. for the sale, (laughs) to to pay Mm -hmm. for that purchase that you're making. So it's almost like it's no money out of your pocket, and you can build a bigger company that way by using the revenues generated by that acquisition. It's revenue-based funding, but a lot of the people that are in this business, they ask for bank statements for tax returns, normal stuff for a lender, but they just want you to send it over email, which which blows my mind. So being a cybersecurity company, it's yeah, yeah, right on. A financial company wants you to just send basic financial bank statements, right? (laughs) Confidential stuff, (laughs) right on. Anybody, if they have your routing number and your account number can just suck some cash right out of your accounts. So that's, no, I have a secure portal for this. I will add you to it. There's going to be a code that's sent to your cell phone in order for you to access it. Uh, So we have the controls in place, but we're a cybersecurity company. Uh, So people that are asking for that info, because things like that, and that's all over, man. That's all over. It doesn't. It's not just even in the financial industry. That's a good but point. So much stuff floats around out there. And yeah. It sorry to burst. A... The... Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. To burst the bubble of like everybody, it's like you've heard of the dark web, and yeah, here's the real truth about this: is yours, mine, almost everybody that's listening probably already has their social security number out there on the dark web already. It's probably been sold about a hundred times. If you look at all the breaches over the last years, like with Marriott a few years ago, T-Mobile was another big one. Equifax was huge that affected something like two-thirds of of all Americans because Equifax is the credit reporting company. Social security numbers leaked out all over the place. So when I see these breaches that happen with these big companies and then they offer the credit monitoring as as reconciliation for it, it's my stuff's already out there. Your stuff is already out there. So the best thing you can do is just understand that your private information has probably already been sold on the dark web several times already and to protect yourself the simplest thing you can do is freeze your credit reports that way you're the only one that can access your credit when you need to if you're applying for a loan or getting a car or doing i don't know getting cable these days or a new cell phone Mm they check your credit you've got to you've got to make sure that you protect yourself in these very basic ways it's pretty simple to do You just have to do it. I think Equifax
1: and other companies, you can contact them and just have to sign up. And then they give you It's easy. Dude, it's an app on your iPhone.
0: You can just tap it. So if you go in, I got a new BMW a couple weeks ago. And it was like, you need to run my credit. No problem. Tap it. Unfrozen. Run it. Tap. Refrozen. Frozen. Yeah.
1: Good. It's funny that you're mentioning that because it was so normal in the last five years that someone will say to me. Hey, send me your credit card information, the email. I was shocked. I use a company. I forgot the name, but it's very simple. You enter your information there. It it, it encrypts it, sends them a link. They have to log in. It's all that kind of stuff. So I said, why don't we use this? So I started using that a long time ago. But I was surprised that these institutions, these companies, they were asking for that information. That was wonderful, my friend. It was great having you on the show. We talked about a lot of good
0: stuff. Dude, it was awesome to be on your show today, and I appreciate you having me on. I hope everybody learned something. And regardless of anything, I just want everyone to know that you need to ask the question, do you want fries with that? That's one of the biggest secrets to my success, and it can be the biggest secret to yours too. Instagram's my biggest platform, that LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter, just Mr. Rick Jordan. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks.